The Gamekeeper's Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Gamecube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of April. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, Kara Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, and Bendit Obento. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Anyway, so that's why I was stuck in T-ball for six years, Mike. Oh, oh, we're live. We're live. Okay. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I have a simple question for you, Mike. Since it's Easter, I have the Easter uh, theme on my brain. In your mind, does the Easter Bunny walk on two legs or four? I mean, they walk on, it walks on two, for sure. They, they can't walk on four. I mean, that's an actual rabbit in that right. sense. That's what I'm asking, though. Like, yeah. when you picture the Easter Bunny, do you picture an anthropomorphic bunny like Sonic the Hedgehog? Or do you picture more of, like, a, a rabbit on all four legs, like a, um, don't even know where I was going with that, uh, like a four-legged rabbit? <laughs> well, like, every rabbit that you see in, like, children's fo- folklore, you know, think of, like, Peter Rabbit, think of, like, Bugs Bunny, like, they're they're always standing like they're never on four mm-hmm. legs like seeing an anthropomorphic rabbit on four legs would be really upsetting <laughs> be off-putting oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was the first time i ever thought that oh wait an easter bunny because i believe that some people do picture the easter bunny on four legs this would be a great poll for us actually the first time i ever thought about it was with the the nightmare before christmas film classic tim burton animated film from the 90s and the 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 three trick-or-treaters they go out looking for santa and they come back with the easter bunny and the easter bunny that pops out is a four-legged rabbit and i was oh, thinking yeah, like that's that's, that's not that's not what i picture when i picture the easter bunny i picture basically like a, a character from arthur the hit show arthur yeah uh, but he has a small like a regular size basket and he's got eggs and uh and little chocolate bunnies and toys in there Buster Baxter is the Easter Bunny. That's basically what I pictured when I pictured the Easter Bunny. <laughs> you know what? That's 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 fair. I I, I wouldn't mind Buster giving out eggs. Child, what actually? What does the Easter Bunny do? Now I'm getting into like a a, a more interesting conversation. Wait, does, he have, does he have a staff? I never understood. I guess he just takes eggs and hides them, and then you find them and you get a lint chocolate bunny. Well, the I know the result. I know the results of what the Easter Bunny provides. I just don't know how we get to that point. Yes, like, that's right. Like the Santa lore is completely fleshed out. He's got a, a workshop in the North Pole. He's got a wife. He's got an army of elves. He's got a, a team of reindeer that he flies with. But the Easter Bunny kind of just shows up like a hired contractor or a merc or something on on Easter night and happens to know what everybody wants. The Easter of chocolate. <laughs> what do you I, call it? No, it's just funny. I'm just thinking of him like like in the context of Santa, just like going down chimneys like the night before Easter, the, the Easter Bunny is just like in your house putting eggs everywhere. I feel like the Easter Bunny is like a video game, like like how you release a video game and figure out oh, we'll patch it later, we'll release yeah. DLC, make this make sense. And no one ever did. Like no one ever explained the Easter Bunny's like whole system, like how the whole thing works. We never write this thing letters. We never like, you know, go to bed at a certain time. We don't leave it carrots or anything. Uh, it just kind of yeah. shows up and we have Cadbury eggs in the morning. And that brings me to my next topic, Mike. We might've talked about this last year. I can't remember what I said last week, but did you get toys at Easter or just candy? 
No, just just chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Never okay. got toys. Never got presents. I know. I know. Families do exchange gifts sometimes for Easter. That was definitely not us. It was just the Sunday morning was uh, Easter egg hunt around the house. That was that was the tradition. We were a we were a gift family around Easter time, and uh, I think we were in the minority because the more yeah. people I talk to, and <laughs> when when I uh, talk about Easter, they're like, "You got toys at Easter?" And I was like, "Yeah, we, we did real well." There was there was one year I got Guitar Hero two. Oh my god! <laughs> like real stuff. <laughs> I think the last year was uh, it was kind of funny. The last year my parents stopped doing Easter toys was when my sister was grown out of it, and the last thing I got was a Gillette Fusion Pro Blade, basically to shave because that's how old I was, and. <laughs> Ghost Rider on PSP. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, okay, nice. I can, I can pinpoint that time of day. No, oh, yeah, I remember that specifically. <laughs> I think I might have been in eight, seventh or eighth grade when I had the PSP, so uh, it was a good time. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Side Mission, part nine of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one. Sometimes 12 by 12, sometimes none at all. So far, we have covered 418 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Just me. No help from the Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny doesn't do anything. We decided that today. <laughs> Last week, we talked about Shadow the Hedgehog and Sonic Heroes to celebrate the release of the new Sonic movie. This week, we will be taking a break from our regular content to take a break for the Easter weekend. Maybe Neil will finally get Guitar Hero 3 from the Easter Bunny. I'm very busy, so is the Easter Bunny. <laughs> so, to celebrate Easter, we're going to talk about some of our favorite Easter eggs, some of our favorite references and hidden secrets in video games to celebrate the holiday. But before we do, Mike, I want to I just try to distinguish something here. Do you consider a difference between an Easter egg and a reference in a movie or a video game? Yeah, that's that's when things get a little murky for sure because mm-hmm. there isn't a there isn't a like a definite separation between an Easter egg and a reference. I I know there is like technically a definition for each one, but for me mm-hmm. how I see it is an Easter egg is more of something that is hidden that you have to go look for to actually find like an Easter egg hunt and a reference is something that is in your view but uh, you don't necessarily get it right away. Right. I think I agree with that entirely. But uh, for the sake of this episode, I don't think I really have ever discovered a ton of Easter eggs in my career as a gamer just because I don't dive super deep into video games, unfortunately. I know a lot about Easter eggs, like the we're going to talk about in a second, a lot of the ones in Atari and some of the bigger games of today. But I, I know like I can pick up on a ton of references in video games, and that's where where my history stands for the most part. But yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that analogy for me. Like the best thing to describe with like a movie is in like the new star Wars trilogy. One of my favorite Easter eggs is there's like a bar scene and uh, John Williams is actually the bartender. And behind him in that scene is, uh, is like a whole bunch of little relics that have to do with the movies that he's done music for like jaws, ET, um, like a whole bunch of other films. That's really cool. It's a really cool Easter egg that like I didn't notice or the watchers won't notice on the first time through. But after you watch it multiple times, you might pick up on it. Whereas a reference in the Star Wars movie might be a reference to like Darth Maul or the Clone Wars or something where that's not an Easter egg because that's in your face. That's true. And that just made me think of actually, I think it's in Phantom Menace where it's the ETs uh, yes. are in like the little pod in the, in the, in the, uh, the Senate. Yes. Oh, that, that is such a good, see, like that's an, that's, like, an, Easter that egg. Be, that's an Easter egg. Yeah. Okay. That, that's really good. Yes. Cause that is, you have to really be looking for it. You have to know that, uh, 
Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas were good friends, so that makes a ton of sense. So the definition of an Easter egg, it's a message, image, or feature hidden in software, a video game, film, or or another unusually electronic medium. So Easter eggs are very popular in the gaming sphere, as well as movies, comic books, and even music to a certain degree. There's yep. Easter eggs there too. Um, the earliest known video game Easter egg is in a video game called Moonlander in 1973, in which a player tries to land a spaceship on the moon. Uh, if the player flies horizontally enough, they encounter a McDonald's restaurant. And if they land next to it, an astronaut will visit the McDonald's instead of standing next to his or her ship. Oh. So that's the earliest one, 1973. And they've kind of snowballed uh, from there. Um, the most famous one, of course, being uh, the... the uh, the Easter egg in Adventure. Mike, I guess you know about that one. Yeah, that's the one. That's actually where the, the term Easter egg comes from, just for all media. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Like That was uh, Warren Robinette who kind of coined the term uh, when he, I guess, when people asked him about it. Uh, so he put this little Easter egg in uh, the 1980 game Adventure for the Atari 2600. Uh, and at the time, Atari had a policy of not including programmers' names at all in the game credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't actually know why they did this. I thought they just did it because, you know, big company. But uh, no, they did it because they wanted to prevent competitors from poaching their developers. Right. Which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, now you can just like go on LinkedIn. But, <laughs> but back then, <laughs> I guess you would have looked at a game's credits. Yeah. And, um, and Robinette, he disagreed with this and uh, secretly programmed the message created by Warren Robinette to appear only if a player moves their avatar over a specific pixel, which is the gray dot, as it was dubbed, uh, during a certain part of the game and enters a previously forbidden part of the map where the message can be found. Uh, and he ended up leaving Atari, as you do. Uh, <laughs> and as is the way as is the way and he didn't inform the company uh that he put this in the game so shortly after he left players discovered this gray dot and were like well what is this mm-hmm. and atari's management were gonna remove it because obviously you know they were like hey you can't do this but the uh the game developer or one of the game uh directors uh, steve wright suggested that they keep the message in because this would encourage the inclusion of messages in future games and have people look for them and like make it almost like a game within a game in that sense. Mm-hmm. And then that, like we said, snowballed into so many different Easter eggs in games and even books. Like I think of a book that I loved in college, Ready Player One, yeah. where that game is almost centered completely around East, the concept of Easter eggs and even references the game adventure. So, And Warren Robinette was inspired to do this hidden message in his game uh, by the Beatles, who have hidden messages in their songs. So everybody just keeps on copying off of each other. We even like to put little Easter eggs or references into our podcasts. Like we throw, you know, Star Wars references or Seinfeld Easter eggs. IGN quotes are throughout our podcast series. So it it can go anywhere and they're really fun. I, I love Easter eggs and secrets in video games. I think just Easter eggs in general in media are such a, there's such a key part in making you realize that that you you are playing a game, you're watching a movie, you're listening to an album, and I think that's something that's really cool that not everyone can do successfully. One of my favorite, I guess, or one of the earliest examples of just Easter eggs in general would be Alfred Hitchcock, and the idea that he was always in every movie that he made, but as a very small cameo, and that kind of became a thing was trying to find Hitchcock in his movies. Oh. I guess that that's probably where Marvel got the idea to put Stan Lee in a lot of their films too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that like yeah. that Hitchcock, Hitchcock was the first kind of director to do it. A lot of directors have since 
try yeah. to do that as well. Like Quentin Tarantino does it a bit too. Um, and, and others, uh, of course, but yeah, Hitchcock famously was in every movie and, uh, some of them were much easier than others for sure. And, and some of them, he was just kind of in the background in the scene and you had to try and look for him. Uh, and then, yeah, hidden tracks in music, like you said, the Beatles with, um, uh, her majesty being one of the first hidden tracks, uh, you know, had to wait, I think it was two minutes or so of silence, uh, on the vinyl okay. a- until you actually heard it, which is you know, obviously lots of people have done hidden tracks since then. And on CDs as well, I think of uh, My Chemical Romance. Mm. Uh, when Black Parade came out, there's Blood, which is a hidden track. I think that's like six or seven minutes you have to wait. Yeah. Offspring with, um, I guess, Spanish version of Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And of course, All By Myself by Green Day at yes. the end of Dookie. That's a classic one. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about the one, like the record ones, because especially in the like the iPod days where like you had to kind of use that scroll wheel to like skip ahead. Yeah. That, that sucked for, for like digital age. Yeah. It was a bad, it did not transition well into the digital age at all on no. records. Maybe it, it made a little it's bit more cool sense, on but... records because it actually yeah. is hidden because mm-hmm. you're not going to look for it. Um, you just assume that the, like if you're someone who just is going to end the album, you know, you see that the album's about to end. It's like, oh, I'll just take the record off. But yeah. if you kind of just leave it on, you're doing something, and then all of a sudden it's just a silence in the background, and you're like, huh, like it's still spinning though. Like a mm-hmm. locked groove is another one, like a, a version of, of kind of uh, hiding stuff on a record. What a locked groove is, is on a record player, it can come to a point at the end of a song or at the end of the album where there's a groove that just locks the needle in place. And the record will keep spinning, but it'll just be on this groove forever. Oh. You actually have to pick it up and move it past that groove to hear another song. Okay, so basically the record is not like a spiral. It actually does have an end to it. You need to physically change the needles yeah. uh, track like location, basically. That's really neat. I don't think I have any records that do that. All of mine, just the needle f- flies off the record eventually. I only have one. It's... Uh, it's a uh, bond the music industry, which is Jeff Rosenstock. Nice. Uh, it's uh, it's vacation, and yeah, there's a there's a track at the end of it where you have to, uh, yeah, take the, the needle off and put it down afterwards. And there's quite a few. I think uh, Dark Side of the Moon was famous for having a locked groove. There's also pre-gap tracks, which are tracks that are actually before you hit the uh, the the proper grooves. I know Jack okay. White likes to do that a lot, where it's like almost like playing in the inside of the vinyl. Just I, I love wow. stuff like that. Crazy, cool ways to experience media. I'm still I'm still in awe of how vinyl records even work. But <laughs> uh, there's also before we jump into video game Easter eggs, there's Easter eggs in the GameCube itself. Bringing this back into the GameCube, a uh, lot of hidden secrets in the console. Not sure if we've talked about it on this podcast, but now is as good a time as ever. Uh, in the system itself, not counting GameCube games, uh, this one's pretty popular, but for listeners that don't know, the GameCube menu music is a slowed-down version of the Famicom disc system startup sound. Mm-hmm. And if you speed it up 16 times, that music is very slow, but if you speed it up 16 times, you get the Famicom disc system startup sound. And for someone like us in the 2000s, we had no idea what a Famicom was, let alone the Famicom disc system. So there is no way we would have found that out on our own without the help of the internet. I don't know where Nintendo got the inspiration to do that, but that's just a clever little Easter egg that I didn't know about until way later, maybe five years ago when I was getting into the GameCube. That that one really makes me smile because it's yes. just like such a nice little um, little inclusion of the history of Nintendo, you know, the very first uh, home console that they put out. Uh, and I thought that was such a nice little thing. And I love that music too. Like the I like the GameCube's version of it. It, mm-hmm. it was always... 
so calming and it had such a feel, you know, obviously we used it at the beginning of our episodes and I, I always love that. Uh, there's something about it. And then when I found out, yeah, like you probably only five or six years ago that it was actually yeah. the Famicom intro, uh, extremely slowed down. That was very cool. This episode of the GameCube was cool podcast was brought to you by manscape.com. Fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning. The drapes need dusting and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle 5 in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE. As we finally get ready to go back to the beach like Mario did in Super Mario Sunshine, you'll want to take stock in how your shaving routine dipped over the winter. Manscaped has a full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did I mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset in the new shower routine. Clean your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provide proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, ever so delicate holes. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, so wrong. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Smell oh so fresh and so clean this spring and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. It's time to throw your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I love that GameCube menu music. It's very it's very therapeutic, like just listening to it. We have it play under our Patreon message at the beginning of, of every episode. And yeah, like I still don't know much about the Famicom today. Uh, it's just not something I'm super interested in. So like I said, never would have found that out. One thing that I did find out, though, as a kid was uh, when the GameCube first turns on is mm-hmm. if you hold down the Z button, you get that funny monkey startup sound instead of the classic GameCube being rolled out and then the dun Yeah, let's hear that right now, Neil. Okay. <laughs> Yes, that, that's what it sounds like right there. If you hold down the Z button when you're about to play, I don't know, Nightfire, per se. <laughs> uh, but if you have four friends or three friends in the room, four controllers, and you all hold down the Z button, you get a startup sound that sounds something a little more like this. Wow, that one's so cool. I always, I, I that one I did not know about for the mm-hmm. longest time. That was also probably about the same time I found out about the, the Famicom intro. I think I think that we tested it out together too. So we, we like did. plugged in four controllers. We each held on to two controllers, and we were like, "Oh my god!" But we were like twenty five, so it wasn't like cute. <laughs> it wasn't like a bunch of nine year olds figuring it out. We were grown ass men. Same excitement though. Same oh, level of excitement. Equal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you have any other system Easter eggs that you uh, you know about the GameCube before we move on to some of our favorite video game Easter eggs? I mean, the biggest Easter eggs in, with the system, I would say, would, would be the, the fact that Dolphin, which was the code name for the GameCube, is used in so many different games mm-hmm. uh, throughout uh, its its game library. Of course, the most famous would be Sunshine, using it for Al Delfino, and there's dolphins everywhere. Right. <laughs> and uh, not the GameCube, but the Switch, uh, they did put a, a really cool Easter egg in, and that's uh, we talked about that in the Gulf episode and that's putting in uh, the actual original nes golf that uh iwata who who had passed away you know, only two years before the switch came out they put it in there as a little tribute to him uh, and i thought that was really really cool yeah the concept of putting an easter egg into a system's os is an interesting move like it's not something that many people would really care about it's really for it really is for like the nintendo diehard nerd fans like us to find like someone just buying a switch for their kid like their five-year-old kid is never going to care about that. That kid might might grow up to find that out later, and I guess that that's the payoff. That's the long game. Well, but, yeah, that and like it's a nod to developers, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. just like this, like you know, there's like the Jeep nod of when two people have Jeeps that drive beside <laughs> each other. It's kind of the same thing with developers. It's like you know what like each other has gone through, and so if you're someone who is looking at you know a console's code, you obviously are a developer at, uh, in some sort, you know, am- sure. amateur or professional. And so there is a little bit of that, like, mutual respect. It's like, oh, very cool. They did this. Like, they put this little little egg in for me to find. Yeah, it's really, it is really fun to find. I'm glad that they do it. I just think it's very strange the places that people will, yeah. will fit Easter eggs in, but good on them. The very first Easter egg that I remember finding when I was a kid, I don't think that this counts as an Easter egg, but we, we sure as heck did. We, we thought it was, was Pokemon Snap. Uh, this is not so much an Easter egg. It's more just hidden secrets in the game. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I remember the first time finding out that there were hidden Pokemon in the levels, not so much like making Pokemon evolve, but trying to find Pokemon in the environments. Like mm. the very first level, you have a Krabby in the rock. Like there's a rock <laughs> Krabby. You find him. Uh, I thought that this was like a secret that no one knew about, basically. Or like that if you take a snapshot of the smokestacks in... In the volcano level, you'll get ghastly in the smoke if you take a picture yep. at just the right time. Uh, I, I was blown away by that. And like I said, I don't think that that counts as an Easter egg, but that really sparked my imagination for secrets in video games and wanting to find things like that in, in other games as, as much as possible. And Pokemon was really good at that, especially in the early days. I'm sure that they do it in the later games now, but I'm so far removed from the Pokemon games that I don't notice them anymore. Um, but that was really a really cool moment for me when I was in, in kindergarten or grade one playing that game for the first time. What about you, Mike? What was the first time you remember finding a secret in a video game? Oh, man. Uh, I have a couple, one specifically, but uh, I just wanted to respond to that by saying, like, that just made me think that the digital age and, and the internet really has killed the the complete spontaneity yeah. of finding easter eggs a lot. Like, can you imagine? Like, oh, I do imagine we did grow up in in that era of... <laughs> Of you know almost this this kind of secret or myth that went around your friends the uh, uh, something yeah. that you could do one of the first ones that I I found was Master Hand in Melee and I remember mm. people kids would would talk about that would talk about oh you can you can play as Master Hand like there's a cool, there's a way to do it but no one right. actually knew how to do it because <laughs> no. they probably saw someone's older brother play it once and then they just like it just mm-hmm. be, uh, caught like wildfire in the schoolyard of everyone talking about it. Yeah, and you had no way of proving them wrong no. or them proving you wrong or, or vice versa. Like, they just said, oh, my my cousin did it, and I yeah. saw it at his house. And, like, you'd be like, upload it. Like, you couldn't, like, say, send me the link in 2001. <laughs> that was not a thing. So you yeah. just had to either believe it or 
call on their BS and then that kid starts crying and they tell on you or something. (laughs) (laughs) But this did lead to a huge issue back on the schoolyard back in the day where there were fake rumors that happened too. We can talk about that later. Let's talk about the real secrets first. Uh, What was the, so that was the first real secret for you. Did you eventually get the uh, chance to play as Master Hand? Yes, I did. Yeah. I wouldn't say that was actually the first real secret though. That's just one that I I, I wanted to bring up of the fact that this would be ruined in the digital age. Uh, One (laughs) that, uh, probably the first one that I ever remember, and I think I might've told this story already on the podcast, but everyone, you get to hear it again, is I owned a cereal box copy of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, we all did. <laughs> we all did on on the PC, of course, hosted by Regis Philbin. Mm-hmm. And in the game itself, Regis talks to you a lot, and he talks to you before and after. He talks to you as you're in the menu, just saying what to do, almost like giving you a tutorial on the game before you're starting. And then I remember playing with my friend, and we were in our, you know, upstairs, uh, the upstairs computer we had. That was kind of where I was allowed to go. And I think that one didn't have internet. So that's why I was allowed nice. to go up there. <laughs> My parents <laughs> Those were like, the days. <laughs> and uh, we were playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And we were went back to the main menu and I guess never exited out of it. And I guess we were just talking or maybe playing our Game Boys or something in the same room. And then eventually we hear just talk to us about maybe five minutes later saying, what are you guys doing? Let's go. Let's play. <laughs> and uh, we're like, whoa, okay, what? Like, what's going on? And maybe about five minutes after that, uh, Regis is like, that's it. You guys are way too slow and closes the game on you. The game closes fully. I wonder if that was just a limitation of the game. Like it couldn't run the menu for too long and it had to. So they had to figure out a way to make that interesting. But those are that just like we talked about with records, like just waiting for something to happen yep. on a screen. That sometimes does pay off. Like you'll get to see something different. You'll, un, you might unlock something like the character will start to, to interact with you, basically breaking the fourth wall. That's a very popular Easter egg in video games, especially Nintendo, uh, Nintendo games with like Wario telling you to hurry up when you're not, yep. uh, being too quick with your menu selections so that that's really funny that would that kind of that 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 freaked me out i was gonna say that type of stuff did freak me out as a kid when they started to talk at you that made me really scared yeah because video games up until that point are not supposed to do that no i was i was honestly like i think i had nightmares for a little bit i was like eight (laughs) years old that like really kind of messed with me i had remembered it for so long and i never been able to find actual footage of this so I thought I might have been crazy. And then so I had that in my mind for a while. And then I found footage of another sort of Easter egg that Regis does. And I forget exactly what it is. But people on that YouTube video were commenting uh, the same experience I had. Where if oh, you wow. left it for too long. Because there's no Wikipedia on this game. <laughs> like, no. We're like not well done. <laughs> so I really had to look for it. So yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. And, and definitely the first Easter egg that I vividly remember finding. I love that. That's so good. And uh, my one of my favorite ones uh, to find, just speaking of Regis Philbin, I guess, going to <laughs> Spider-Man, the 2018 PS4 game. We're going to jump way into the future now when I was kind of like, I was definitely an adult now, 2018. I was 25 years old playing Spider-Man, having a great time, basically bringing me back to, to Spider-Man 2 on the GameCube again. And there's a reference in that game. This one's like a twofold. It's got references and it's got Easter eggs. Spider-Man on PS4 is just terrific. Everyone should play it. But there's a moment in the game where you're swinging through the streets as Spider-Man and you're talking to someone on the phone about ordering a pizza. 
and Peter Parker has the back and forth with the person on the phone about, he's talking about Ray's pizza and he's like, the original Ray's? It's like, no, new Ray's. It's like, I want to get the original Ray's. And I'm like, this is a, this is a Seinfeld it's reference. A Seinfeld bit. And I didn't even get that. Our no. friend of the show, Dan, had to tell me that. And I was like, oh my God, I wasn't even paying attention. Damn it. I know. I was amazed when you didn't get that. I didn't even, I didn't even like think twice about it. I, would, I just smirked. I was like, oh wow, this is a, a neat <laughs> reference to Seinfeld because New York, Spider-Man, Seinfeld, yeah. just two incredible things from that city but the easter egg in in this game that i do love or easter eggs that i did love about this game was exploring the city and finding uh locations that uh, weren't part of the story at all at least i don't think they were might have been to get the trophies i suppose and to get the platinum but Mm -hmm. again if you weren't looking for these things you you probably wouldn't have found them but you find things like dr strange's house you find daredevil's gym i think you also can find his law office uh (laughs) stark towers in there too that's the easiest one to find for sure because it's massive but I just adored exploring that that city and and finding bits and bits of just comic book locations and uh, pieces of Peter's life that was just really yeah. cool to find. Oh, I like I think every game should have some kind of references and Easter eggs to them because it just it makes it so much more fun when you're like a a super player you could call it someone who's putting in a lot of hours into mm-hmm. a game and just gives the replayability too and and also gives that word of mouth because that I mean, obviously still yeah. it is a you know digital world so we'll we'll hear about it often and some um online articles saying hey you can do this in breath of the wild like they people are always finding stuff in breath of the wild like the oh, yeah. uh how the one area is actually the town of wind like from wind waker like that yep. was the whole thing we talked about on the wind waker episode so like like stuff like that people are constantly finding out of and people find stuff in like 10 12 years later like uh in wave race neil with uh yeah. with the commentator this one is just insane. We talked about it way back on the actual episode when we talked about Rave, Wave Race, which was, uh, I guess, the first episode and the 50th episode. So Yeah, so we've covered it twice now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about it one more time. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, so what happens is you have to put a very specific combination into the menu. And I think it's like you have to move the analog stick in a weird way. So that the, yep. uh, the audio, there's like these audio wave bars and you have to make sure it goes a certain color. And then when you do that, then when you start a new race, a commentator comes out and basically just berating you mm-hmm. for everything you do. It's like, well, this is going to be a terrible race, like <laughs> stuff like that. And it's just yeah. like, wow, nice going. Oh, you finally made a jump. Like, good job. It's like <laughs> completely I, – I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, this is – they put a lot of effort into this one. <laughs> they put a lot of effort into giving an announcer no effort to just be super sarcastic and very passive aggressive towards your uh, your routine and how you're performing. I love that. And yeah, that, that was found, I, I believe it was 10 or 11 years after the game came yeah. out, which is nuts. I can fully imagine. That's the thing about Breath of the Wild is that you can look at that game and perfectly imagine that in 20 years, there will be people finding things in that game that we don't know about today. And, and that's really cool. A game like Wave Race you wouldn't have expected that to have that type of a tale. It's just like, it's one of those things that just makes it fun for developers. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I would love to do as a developer. It's almost us like with our, our, with our April fools uh, uh, (laughs) uh, episodes. It just, it's like something to, to lighten the load, uh, make, uh, make it fun. And especially for a lot of these devs who are working a hundred hour weeks, right? Like having that, having an Easter egg in something uh, in a big, triple a game often too is like almost something to to hold to your chest it's like yeah this is mine like i i own this like this is what i've created Mm -hmm. 
it diverts expectations, I mm. think, as, as a game developer to the gamer. And sometimes it goes really well, like you said, with our podcast. We we could just go through game by game every week, do GameCube games. But we like to do these these side quest episodes and the April Fool's episode because it does break up break up the mundane for us. And it, uh, it makes it a little more interesting. And it challenges us, too. Otherwise, if we just made the same podcast every week, we wouldn't be getting any better. We're not strengthening our muscles at all. So, yeah, that's a great, uh, great analogy. But keeping on the water theme, Mike, I mm. want to talk about a, a reference or an Easter egg in a video game that I have actually not played yet. It's on my Switch uh, backlog, I guess, of games to play. It's it's on my wish list. And that's a game called Man Eater. I believe it's made by Ubisoft. It okay. came out a couple of years ago. It's basically a shark sim game. I've always wanted to play a shark simulation game, and yeah. this one looks like a arcade madness kind of game where you're just this man-eating shark, eating people, eating fish, causing havoc. It looks like a terrific game. I'm really excited to one day play it. But there's this one section in the game or one part of the game, I believe it's in the DLC, that's a reference to SpongeBob where oh. there's like a news reporter saying that there's a, a large – uh, infestation of sea sponges taking up uh, residence in the bay in pineapples and you go over to this bay and you see straight up Spongebob's house like this this house pineapple in the middle of the bay and it's a reference to Spongebob it's again like it's an easter egg I, I don't know if this is an easter egg or a reference but it's just a really cool thing that the developers threw in there and that's something that would completely any Spongebob reference in a video game to me would completely blow my mind. A game that isn't a Nickelodeon game. That's so cool. Oh my yeah. god. I love I love stuff like that. I love ones where you really have to dig for uh, mm. for the Easter eggs. Like, uh, I think of Animal Crossing, which is tons of them, by the way. Yeah. Uh, especially ones that relate back to Nintendo characters. But just a, a one kind of, uh, I guess you could call it an Easter egg, is when you're working with, or when you're talking to Rossetti, who ends up having 30... I think it's like 30 minutes of dialogue alone. Wow. Uh, Rossetti, of course, is the mole who comes out when you don't correctly reset your game. Of course. And if you talk to him for, I think it's it's like 20 or 30 minutes, uh, which that means like you're, re- you're resetting probably about 50 times at this point. Uh, <laughs> his brother, uh, Dan, I think it is, comes out and talks to you. And then there's an even creepier one. I think if you go even further or if it's, I forget exactly how it works, but... Um, you end up getting the face of a gyroid, which is one of those like spinning uh, fire hydrants that you'll see. That's where okay. you save your game. And it's almost a punishment for resetting your game constantly. Uh, is okay. that you just, instead of a face, you have this gyroid as a face and it's really creepy. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is in the new Animal Crossing game? No, no, old the, GameCube. The GameCube one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, I'm sure Animal Crossing is chock full of Easter eggs and and references. That game is basically built on that foundation. Yeah, that, that's that, <laughs> it's very true. Animal Crossing, especially the GameCube one, is really built on just making fun of other Nintendo properties and games as well. And and one reference I thought of too to other games. We talked about this already on the Tony Hawk episode way back. I think it's Factory Man or Plumbing Man or something. Yes, in Underground Two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Underground 2 has a character you can unlock, and it is Factory Worker. Yes. And he looks a lot like a familiar plumber that we know and love. Yeah, has the same overalls, has the red hat. It's, <laughs> it's clearly an homage to Mario. Like, that's another, that's a great little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tony Hawk games are really, really good. They they do have some, like, like obvious ones, like Darth Maul and Spider-Man and some of those Tony Hawk games. But that one, they clearly couldn't use. They yeah. clearly couldn't use Mario as a character, so they had to make one, basically. And there's no rule against doing something like that. Um, I wanted to talk about 
Easter eggs in video games that tease a future game ah, too, which yes. is really cool when that happens. One of the most famous ones is in a game that you and I both love is Arkham Asylum, which this one is a hidden Easter egg. You have to go inside of the warden's office. I just realized this episode is very spoiler heavy. Uh, we should have said that at the very front. Uh, I think you people will figure it out with Easter eggs. I, I hope so. But inside of the warden's office, there's a secret room behind an, behind an explodable wall that is not told to you as explodable. And if you blow up that wall, you go into this secret room. And on the map is a wall with a blueprint to Arkham City, uh, literally teasing the sequel Arkham City. And no one ever found it. The developers eventually had to... Uh, reveal it to people that there was this Easter egg, which you don't see too often, and you certainly will never see Nintendo do something like that. I had heard about it. I hadn't played Arkham Asylum at the time, but I I had heard about that that area mm-hmm. that you can go to to see the blueprints of uh, of Arkham City. That became a, a very um, very famous Easter egg very fast. Again, that's what the online world will do, right? Yeah, I was going to say they kind of ruined it by revealing it themselves. If that is true, I think that that's what I read was that mm-hmm. they revealed it like it would have been cooler if they never did. And then we find that out like a, a someone's Twitch streaming Arkham Asylum in 2020, you know, 13 years after Arkham Asylum comes out and they find this this Easter egg and they finally unveil it. Like I feel like that that's way cooler than since the games have such quick turnaround time. I guess they wanted to reveal it before Arkham City came out, but it kind of spoiled it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, Neil, which is, uh, I don't know. Uh, one interesting one as well that I was thinking of was De Racine. I'm not sure how to exactly say it, but it's a, it's the VR from software game that came out, I think in 2016, 2017. Okay. And this one lit up a big fire because there was an Easter egg in here that implied that there was going to be a Bloodborne 2, or at least that's what people took it as. Okay. And basically you find a doll uh, in the game at some point, you pick up this doll and the doll is, uh, I think it's basically just like this maiden that helps you in Bloodborne or looks very similar to it at least because there is an actual doll in Bloodborne. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a long story if you haven't played the game, <laughs> but, and then it does, it's actually making this, um, hand gesture, which is a hand up and one hand to the left. Uh, and it's kind of going back and forth and that's a gesture called contact that you can find in Bloodborne. And so it was clearly, you know, a reference and a, a little Easter egg there wow. uh, to Bloodborne, which is really cool. Uh, but a lot of people thought that it was uh, confirmation that there was <laughs> going to be a new uh, Bloodborne uh, game coming out. Oh no! See that that that's when it's that's when it's sad is when you think that it's an Easter egg <laughs> teasing the next thing and it's not, and just conspiracy theories start to pop up from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's funny to see though, because like we were talking about earlier, how that there were these kind of fake um easter eggs or these these rumored easter eggs yeah. on the schoolyard like they still do exist in the real world it's just on twitter now instead of being on the schoolyard it's it's people arguing and bickering on twitter but it still does exist i guess it's just in a different media do you remember any that like you know when you were I do. a kid because one that i remember is people used to tell me that you could uh make yoshi into something else in melee like you can almost like final smash before the final smash existed <laughs> it was like oh if you do this certain button combination yoshi becomes really big and like a, a no. angry dragon and he can like burn things down i remember that was a, a thing people told me that was in melee yeah in melee no I, I don't remember that at all that that's hilarious though i'm assuming <laughs> i'm assuming that by now all of the secrets in melee have been uncovered by the community <laughs> yeah that wasn't one unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> fortunately not the one that comes to mind for me though is going back to pokemon circling back to my first easter egg is the mew easter egg in pokemon red and blue mm. this was probably the biggest urban legend on the schoolyard if you were a kid back in 1999 
Do you remember this thing uh, about about how to catch Mew in Pokemon Red and Blue? I do, yeah. Yeah, basically you needed to have Pokemon on your team that had certain TMs. You had to know Strength and Surf, I believe, were the two. And there was this, a real location in the game, there was a random pickup truck, like an abandoned pickup <laughs> truck in Pokemon Red and Blue. And if you go to this uh, this area uh, under the truck, I, f- I really do forget like all of the... Uh, all of the minutia that you had to do to um, to unlock the secret. But if you went to this pickup truck and then did a certain thing after that and then a certain thing after that, you would uh, fight Mew and you could catch Mew. And this was honestly like some days you'd think it was true. Some days you wouldn't believe yeah. it. Like we weren't paying attention to what was happening in class. We were just thinking about about this, uh, this Pokemon secret really. But uh, it later on came out once the internet uh, became mainstream. It's been proven that this was absolutely – BS. This is not how you catch Mew. Uh, most of the kids that had Mew either won it in a contest or a giveaway or like a Nintendo Power prize. That's how uh, Mew was caught. Um, or with Game Shark, if you had Game Shark cheat codes. Um, so that that's how Mew came up. And then they would just tell you this elaborate story on how they caught him. But it was complete bogus. Interesting. Interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. I, I miss, I do miss those days. That was a, that was a fun time. One of the, uh, the create, the funniest Easter eggs I can think of though, for uh, a Nintendo game, not really an Easter egg. I guess this is just more of like a fun fact, but uh, Bowser's children, uh, we're very familiar with them from the, the Mario Kart series. Uh, Lemmy, Wendy, Morton, Larry, Iggy, Ludwig, and Roy, uh, all very ugly looking characters, <laughs> characters that I don't play as in Mario Kart, but they're there nonetheless. I remember finding out way later that they're all named after media personnel or musicians. Yeah. Oh, can I can I try and do them all? Yeah, I have them all written here, so don't look at my notes. <laughs> uh, yes, I will not look at your notes. Um, okay, let me start. Let me start here. Lemmy. Who's Lemmy named after? Well, that's Lemmy from Motorhead. I don't I do know what Lemmy's last name is. <laughs> uh, Lemmy Kilmeister from okay. Motorhead. Okay. Yeah. So next name is Wendy. Uh, see, that one I don't know. Who is Wendy? I didn't know this one, but it's Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics. Okay. I don't know her, unfortunately. No, that's okay. They're not all musicians. Some of them are media personnel. I'll give you that hint. Uh, next one is Morton. Is that the talk show guy or whatever? Um... You're very close. He is a talk show host. It's Morton Downey Jr. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if he's related to Robert Downey Jr. I can only imagine he is. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's who Morton is named after. Random random reference there. This one actually has no reference. But Larry, they only named him Larry because he looks like a Larry. That's literally what <laughs> wow, it says. Wow, I did not know. Very much. This one is an easy one. Iggy. Uh, yeah, Iggy Pop. Of course. Next one, another easy one. Ludwig. Uh, Beethoven. Yep, yep. Uh, next, last one is Roy. Uh, Roy Orbison, because he's got the sunglasses. You got it. Yeah, so you got most of them, except for Wendy. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that counts as an Easter egg, but it's always fun to hear about how uh, characters get their names or uh, influence for uh, for certain video game characters. Yeah, no, that's really... I, I, I love stuff like that, and obviously, because I'm, we're doing a whole episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have lots more Easter eggs to talk about, or at least I do, Neil, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I got in total tour... Really cool one. This one I, I knew from a friend of mine. I, I'm not sure if I've ever, ever even told you or told said it on the Toadstool Tour episode. It probably should have, but I forgot mm-hmm. about it. Um, a little Pikmin tribute. If you turn 90 degrees and shoot to the left on the practice hole, uh, in like the, or the practice uh, course, I guess, you can hit this flower patch where a, a bunch of Pikmin jump out when the ball hits it. Oh wow! I did not know that. Yeah, and and it like looks like the flower, like the patches from from Pikmin no the game. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Wow, I had no idea. We talked a lot about Easter eggs in the Pikmin game, Pikmin 2 specifically in that episode, a bunch of secrets in that game specifically to do with the songs and the music and the little melodies that the Pikmin will chirp. Uh, I love that. And all um, the stuff that they, you can pick up too. Like there's Nintendo playing cards that you can pick up, which is their, their first kind of foray into gaming. So that was mm-hmm. really cool that, uh, that, that they, Nintendo kind of put that part of their history in there. Yeah, that was really cool. They put like old toys too and like Japanese products and even real world products too, like the batteries and the Coca-Cola pop tabs and 7-Up pop tabs. Yeah. That game is really full of Easter eggs and references, like some that you will find no problem and some that you really have to go digging for. Really cool secrets in those video games. One of the last ones that I want to talk about is the only reason why I'm talking about it here is because I don't know if I'm ever going to get another chance to talk (laughs) about it again, but... An indie game. Uh, we haven't talked to, about too many indie games today, but there's a great one that a friend of the show, Matt, and I played. Matt joined us on the Chibi Robo episode. Uh, one night, he came over for a for a sleepover after we both worked together in the deli, and uh, we played Castle Crashers in one night. Mm-hmm. Really fun beat em up game. You've played that game, right, Mike? Of course. Or, yeah, yeah, of course. Really fun game. Uh, that game is filled with references and Easter eggs to other uh, licenses, other properties, other video games, other movies. Uh, and one of the funniest moments of the game, like we were, we beat a boss. I forget what boss it was now. This was like six years ago now. Uh, but it's a boss over lava and it's like a knight character. I guess you're fighting mostly knights in castle crashers. But, uh, as the boss is basically falling down into the lava after you beat him or kill him, he does like a thumbs up, like from Terminator two. Oh, that's really cool. It's just a really cool reference that Matt and I found hilarious. Like we imitated that for weeks after that. It's a really, (laughs) really fun moment. Uh, Like we were both beat tired because we had just worked like a 10 hour shift and then played castle crashers. Um, so it's just a really funny moment that'll, uh, it's a really cool video game memory to me. And it's those types of references that make video games worth playing. Exactly. Neil couldn't have said it better myself. And I have a, just a couple here that I want to just quickly, uh, run by you before we, we close out the episode, sure. uh, Mario Sunshine, of course, Delfino Resort is actually arranged in the shape of a GameCube controller. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go up to the rafters in one area, it references Luigi, a Panada guy saying, uh, uh, we need someone here to suck up these ghosts with a vacuum. And uh, Super Mario 64, of course, there's a famous one to find Yoshi. I guess that would technically be considered an Easter egg. Yeah, because you had to un- you had to first beat all of the, or you had to collect all 120 stars, and then you had to go on top of the Cat Peach's castle after beating that whole whole game without Yoshi. So that definitely counts as an Easter egg. Yeah, uh, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. Uh, when you, I forget exactly where it is, but there's an area where both Link and Samus are sleeping in beds, separate beds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you talk to Samus, uh, she says that I'm resting up for Mother Brain. That's really cool. Such a cool one on that one. Uh, Just Cause 3, there's a Dark Souls bonfire that you have to find. Very hard to find, but I remember finding it and uh, being very happy about that. Uh, (laughs) In Deus Ex, there's a Final Fantasy 28 poster in a room, which I thought was really cool because uh, it takes place in 2029, I think. Uh, I I was like, yeah, there's no way there's going to be a Final Fantasy 28. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> hey there might be we're getting there we're about halfway there now yeah but it takes them like 10 years to make each game i know so. <laughs> i know they're probably off with that year but they're right with the prediction in dead rising there is a sandwich shop that is called jill sandwiches which mm. is a reference to the first resident evil game when uh i think it's barry calls uh i think it's barry who says that mm-hmm. yeah jill you were almost a jill sandwich that's a really good one and the restaurant is named jill sandwich in that in that uh in dead rising yeah in the dead rising that's cool i'd like to play those dead rising games i I unfortunately don't own an xbox they look like fun 
Me too. Metal Gear Solid, of course, Psycho Mantis reads your memory card. So if yes. there's other Konami games on it, it will uh, say, oh, have you been enjoying this game? <laughs> I'm trying to think of other Konami games. <laughs> you've been playing, yeah, you've been playing Castlevania. Castlevania, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of uh, Snake and Metal Gear, the last thing I want to say is the codec conversations in Brawl, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, these were one of the first ones I ever discovered, and I absolutely love them. And what these are is when Snake Smash Taunt is used on Shadow Moses Island in mm-hmm. Brawl, uh, he can talk about uh, other fighters with his support team, which includes Colonel Roy, uh, Hal Emmerich, so Otakon, and Mei Ling. And when fighting Falco, Snake actually gets to talk to Slippy Toad instead. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. See, that's like the type of thing that didn't add anything to the fight, right? It's just like a neat thing that you can do. Just a neat thing that you can do. And yeah. each character has like a lot of different, there's a lot of different, uh, uh, I guess, voice acting that they had to put into this. Hmm. Uh, my favorite is definitely when he meets Zero Suit Samus. Okay. Because he's like, oh, wow, Samus took her clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like without that bulky power suit, she's gotten a lot more agile. You know, yes, I, agile. Agile is what we're thinking. <laughs> I bet if I took off all my heavy gear, I could catch her. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do when you catch her there, Snake? <laughs> uh, there's uh, when he talks about Yoshi. It's like, what's this lizard thing? It's like, that's a Yoshi, a dinosaur from Yoshi's Island. Watch out for its long chameleon-like tongue. If it gets you, you'll be swallowed whole. It lays <laughs> eggs and throw them. <laughs> so, yeah. And then Kirby, of course, he's like, what's this pink puffball? And uh, Mei Ling, of course, tells him that it's a sh- uh, Kirby is an extraterrestrial, so watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby is technically an alien. That's true. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, there's uh, there's uh, – that's definitely something if you own Brawl. I think they have it in Ultimate as well. But go back on Shadow Moses and try these out. It's so much fun, especially talking to Slippy. He gets very confused. That's that's really cool. Now, how many people out there do you think have a, a working Wii still hooked up that they could they could try this on? Yeah, I think that's like a, a good good amount. <laughs> people, it's the people who have a working Wii U, Neil. Mm, they're in the minority for sure. I, mine is not hooked up anymore. I will have you know. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're the last bastion of the Wii U. I am. I'm going to support that thing until the day it dies. I'm going to have my, my, my children playing that as their first console. Uh, Mike, that was a lot of fun. I really like going into our uh, our memories of games. Not necessarily GameCube related, but just video game video games in general. Secrets, Easter eggs, all very fun. Good timing for this episode right around Easter. Clearly, video game developers are working way harder than the Easter Bunny. I think that's what we've uh, accomplished today. Yeah, I think that we can say with certainty that the Easter Bunny does nothing, and we we kind of just stole the Easter eggs from him and, you know, have put this uh, into video games, and I'm really happy about it. A lot of Easter Bunny bashing today. I don't know what, what's gotten into us. There's something <laughs> something in the air, I suppose. But, but Mike, well, we're throwing shade at the Easter Bunny. Why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 93 of the GameCube School podcast? On episode 93, 1993, Neil, uh, it is Shrek games on the GameCube. There are too many Shrek games on the GameCube, (laughs) and we're going to be having some great guests to come on and discuss them. And uh, this was a wild time. Shrek was everywhere and now it's nowhere so it's mm. uh it'll definitely be a lot of fun to talk about it of course there's the puss in boots movie that's coming out this fall so that's the the closest thing we have to to shrek nowadays <laughs> it is it, it is hard to believe the how quickly or just how long that that franchise stuck around and then how quickly it just kind of went away yep yep it was a biannual uh annualized 
franchise, I suppose. We got movies every couple of years. The first two are very good. I remember it coming out in the middle of the summer, I believe, 20 years ago now, which is crazy to believe that it's been 20 years. I'm starting to... Shrek makes me feel old. It's really like... It's like the BC, it's or BS before Shrek, really, and yeah. uh, and after Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two timelines for me. That, that's that's like where where my life begins and ends. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Side Mission Part Nine of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five star rating and a review so we can make the show better. By the way, Apple Podcast listeners, you are slacking. Spotify listeners have you beat by quite a bit right now. Let's see if you can catch up. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the gamecube is cool thank you to everyone who supports us over there you can follow us on instagram twitter or facebook we are at the gamecube pod and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel the gamecube is cool share us with your friends and family tell the easter bunny neil says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later Bye bye we should put an easter egg in this episode somewhere <laughs> I, oh. just, I, I just don't know what uh, what to do put a whisper in there somewhere <laughs> Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. to like the, the things or whatever to see how that process works putting this on yeah, spotify yeah. and apple music this is so. a test no one listened to it if you're listening to it now <laughs> turn it off go home so for anybody listening to this in the future um this we're recording this on april 27th uh week seven of the pandemic i think mm-hmm. it's hard to tell what day it is because we're at a time in history when everyone's been home for about seven weeks right now due to a virus that we can't even name yeah so that's probably right. a good spot to end the first episode, I think. Perfect. Well, thank you for listening, whoever did. Uh, if you, uh, you know, if you're listening to this in the far future, uh, please feel free to visit our graves at any time. Uh, How will they maybe, find them? Oh, if they, I don't know. Um, Grave finding app. I'm sure that there'll be some kind of an Uber Eats app for finding graves by then. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll hit end there. I don't think we have any ending segment, song, credits. <laughs> Dum. <laughs>